Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. All right, well, good morning. You can, you can open to Acts 13. We'll land there. We're going to, actually, we're going to take a scenic route to get there. So we, I may bounce you around before we get there. It is good, man. It is a privilege for me uh, to be up here with y'all today, to be in front of you, to be able to preach. Brandon and I uh, go way, way back. And uh, it is, a, it is man, this, this place is alive, and this place is on fire and that is evidenced by what we saw this morning in the baptism service, is that every time there's baptisms, it's like they're putting Brandon to work, and that's exciting. Uh, that's fruit uh, of this ministry, and that's a testimony to you guys. That's a testimony uh, to your pastor, and that's a testimony to the, to the heart of you guys as, uh, as just getting involved in that work. And I was excited to see that this morning. Uh, at first I thought, you know what, it is a busy weekend. You got the, the praise night. And then the, the FOI party last night, how many people were there? FOI party last night. And I thought, Brandon wants me to preach this, this morning because ain't nobody going to be awake and paying attention. <laughs> Brandon's like, it's just a throwaway. Send in James. <laughs> He's like, y'all are sleeping, and he knows it. Y'all sleeping? No. But then, you know, I was in the service this morning, and, and I was listening to Sam preach, uh, and I was listening to Brian Clark preach. That was good. We got two pastors hitting it this morning. And uh, what Brian Clark said was right on the money. What we have here is unique. There's not a lot of places in the world where you get this, where you get a a group of people who love the Word and love to study the Word and and love to invest the Word and dive into that. Right? I don't know if you guys have been around and out, out in the rest of the world or even out in the city and visited some of the other places, but this is unique. There's not a lot of people who are doing it. We say, we just cling to the Word, and whatever God tells us to do, that's what we want to do. All right? That's good. This is really good. And one of the challenges, though, that comes with that is we get real comfortable, and we, we love it. We get comfortable in love, and we get comfortable in loving one another to the point where we think, you know what, this is so good, why would I ever leave? Why would I ever go anywhere? Because this is good, and I'm being fed, and even I'm growing, and even I'm feeding others, and I'm here, and this is uh, comfortable, or this is ministry, or this is work. And like James said, and like Brian said, no one else is doing it right, so why would we go anywhere else anyway? And that can become a danger to us. Okay? Because the whole reason we're here, the whole reason we're doing what we're doing is actually to get prepared so we can all go. So you all can be like Brian or God forbid like me. (laughs) Be more like Brian. Um, And so some of the things, you know, so yeah, so maybe I thought you guys are going to be asleep and Brandon was just trying to sleep too and take a nap. But I listened to Sam's message this morning and then some of the things that are coming today that God has laid uh, on my heart for right now, I realize that, and this happens a lot, God does this uh, quite often. The two messages, they, they're going to go together like, like hand in sock, you know? <laughs> not exactly hand in glove, like they're not the exact same message, but there's a lot of overlap to where it's like, it's a puppet, 
You know? They're like, you get the same ideas coming out. They're like, wait, uh, Sam just said that. Like, wait, it's a puppet, okay? I mean, you can put a sock on your hand. It just doesn't have fingers. Some of them do. Those weird socks, they have fingers in them. Y'all said, you wear those weird socks with fingers in them? Anyway. You don't even wear socks. Cause you were, but if you had the finger socks, you could wear those kind of sandals with them because they're going between your toes. So some of it, you're going to go, wait a minute, I just heard that. And then there's this tendency maybe to go, since I just heard that, I can take a break for a minute. But in actuality, when, when God does that, that's God's way of saying, hey, you need to actually wake up here. And you needed to hear it again. God writes things in his Bible sometimes, twice, three times, four times. And that's not saying, so go, oh, cool, I read that. I'm going to skim this. That's because you needed to hear it again. All right, so there's going to be parts that are going to be like that today. You're going to go, wait, that's what Sam said. Well, praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit's working. And he brought us together. All right? So, thank you for letting me come and, uh, and talk to you all and try to keep you awake. But you're going to be awake, yeah? Yes, sir. Amen. Let's pray. And we'll jump. God, we, uh, we do love you. And we do thank you for this time. And uh, it is a privilege every time to open your word. And it's a privilege to open your word in front of people. And I uh, pray, Lord, that you put me aside so that you can move. God, less of me and, and all of you is what we need in this moment. And God, for the hearers, uh, they need the same. To not sit and hear in the power of their flesh uh, and their... And their uh, own minds, but they need to hear as driven by your Holy Spirit to challenge their hearts as well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So when we look at this idea in Acts chapter 13, as Brandon told you, you get the beginning of missions. You get kind of the birth of missions. You get this church at Antioch that's ultimately going to send Paul on what will become known as his first missionary journey. Uh, and so this is uh, an, a big transition and a big deal in the church. Uh, and in the history of the church, and for us as a church, as we begin to study uh, and figure out what comes next, and how do we prepare uh, missionaries, how do we send missionaries, how do you get equipped to be sent as a missionary as well. So this is a, a, a good place, and, and, and I, I guess Brandon's right, it does kind of make sense that he would invite me, and I appreciate it to come in and talk, because I've been through it, and, and towards the end I want to share some of uh, of our life and some of the things that God has done through us. Uh, and I want to just kind of bring our life into uh, what we're doing today as well. But before we can jump into Acts 13, I wanted to start with, with a, a kind of a quick overview, a couple big picture ideas. And if you're new to the Word, if you're maybe new to Kaya, to, to this whole setting, if you're here maybe for the first time or just uh, kind of young, I'm going to give you a few things up front here that may come a little quick and, and they're just kind of overview ideas. But if you grasp onto that and write it down, it's going to help you put together a lot of the stuff that's going on in the Bible. And so the first uh, place I want to start is just with this question, like, what is God doing? Right? Like, when you look at the Bible and you read all the way through it, and you go through the whole thing, and you're, and you're trying to figure it out, like, what is the theme, or what is the idea, what is the heart of that, the whole book, the Bible, or what is the heart of God, what's going on? If we were to summarize it, I would say, <clears throat> first I would tell you this. What God is doing right now, and what's most important for you to understand in terms of our lives and in this time, is God is doing this. God is working to restore his own image in man that was lost due to sin. 
Okay? And here's a real good summary for you. God is working to restore his own image in man that was lost due to sin. You go, why? Why is God doing that? Because originally God created a, 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 a kingdom where he was the focus, where he was the center point, where he was the creator that was worthy and, and received all worship. And that's what he created, and that's what he is worthy of, and that's what should be. And that's what we're working towards again. And if you've been through the Bible, then you know that Satan introduced pride and rebellion, stealing God's worship in his original kingdom. Lucifer himself was the first one to do this and divided the kingdom of God and, and took others with him and led them in rebellion against God and in so doing also robbed God of worship that he was due. Satan said, bring that towards me. Put that worship on me. I deserve it. And we do that too. Every time in our lives when we make decisions to not follow the Lord, to walk in our flesh, to follow after Satan, we are doing the same thing. It's not just against his word. It's against his nature. And you are stealing his worship. Okay? So God creates Adam and he makes the garden and it's perfect. And Adam then introduced sin, breaking fellowship with God and again, stealing God's worship from him. And from that moment, God is working to reestablish that broken relationship. To reestablish, because remember, when he made Adam, he made Adam in his own image. And, and Adam was to be the pinnacle of creation that would carry the image of God for eternity and reproduce a, a, a race of beings that would bring all honor and all glory and all worship to God. That's what he wants. If you want to know what your life is to be, that's it. 1 Corinthians 10.31 And do all to the glory of God, whether you eat, drink, or whatsoever you do. That's it. So that we would do all to the glory of God. And so that's what God is, is working towards. And, and you get another kind of viewing of that in the Bible when you go, well, okay, so when is that going to happen? How does that happen? And you have uh, the, kind of the, the one thing now that God is focused on. The one thing that God is looking towards is what the Bible would call that day or the day of the Lord. All right? Those are Bible terms and you look at that and you follow that through your Bible and you see that every time he's talking about that, he's talking about the day when, when all these things are fixed. The things that were messed up by Lucifer, the things that were messed up by Adam and, and sin and pride, and rebellion, and God is once again, Jesus Christ, God the Father, seated on the throne, and all of creation is restored to a place where he alone gets worship, and nothing is stealing his worship that day. Right? If you were to pull out your calendar and start looking at the stuff on it, you've got a lot going on on your calendar. Right? You've got Zoo Day coming up, uh, and... Uh, all, you know, all the other things, whatever. you got birthdays, and you've got appointments, and you've got coffee with so-and-so, and you got all this. But if you were able to sync your Google Calendar with God's, I'm sure he uses Google Calendar, right? Because <laughs> everyone does. And you were to start looking at God's calendar, and you would start scrolling through it, you're like, blank, 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 blank. And you'd find that there's one day, one event on God's calendar he's looking towards, and it's that day. Where things are restored to the way they should be, and he's getting glory. And this is an important place to start when we're talking about missions, because this is the foundation for all of that. 
is that all of our lives ought to be synced with that, with God's calendar and our sole focus and ought to be looking towards that day and doing everything that we can do to be a part of bringing people to that day with us and bringing people now into the place where they are worshiping God. So everything in the Bible is pointing towards and working towards the day when God's kingdom is reestablished as the only kingdom over all of creation and he is seated on the throne getting glory and honor. Now a good summary of that, if you were to look at Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15, it says this, And the seventh angel sounded, and there, was, uh, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That's it right there. That's God's encapsulation of what he is looking forward to. The day when all the kingdoms of this world and all the kingdoms that we've built as nations and as empires or as our own world and as our perfect life and all of these different kingdoms, when all the kingdoms of the world become the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's worshipped. So that's it. There's a summary. That's what, it, that's what it's working towards, and that's what God is, is driving towards, and that's what all of his creation was designed to do. And by the way, if you know Christ, you are recreated. You are a new creation, and your life, too, is now purposed and designed for that one, one thing that we work to get, not by ourselves, but everybody with us. That day, and even now on this earth, living as all of our little kingdoms were already united under his one kingdom, and he is in control. How is he doing that? Run back to 2 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 14. The context here in 2 Samuel chapter 14 is that uh, David's son Absalom has killed his brother. Uh, and, and then has, has fled and has been uh, banished, has been in exile away from the king and away from the kingdom. Um, and uh, Joab is wanting to bring the son back to the father. And it says that Joab hires a wise woman and puts words in her mouth. And she goes before the king and, and makes up this story and gets the king's heart. And then, she's, and then he, she comes out and brings the truth to the king. And the king calls her on. He's like, wait a minute, Joab put you up to this, didn't he? And, and she's like, yes, it's true. But then she says this. And in that conversation, the woman says, For we must needs die, and there is water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither does, doth God uh, respect any person. But listen, yet doth he devise means that his banish be not expelled from him. Here's the next summary idea that you need to grab. And this is what God wants uh, us to be a part of. And this is what God is doing. And this is what the whole story of the Bible is about. Him reestablishing his image in, in man that was lost due to sin is this. God is devising a way that his banished can come back into his presence and worship him. And by the way, since the garden, we've all been banished. Right? Because of sin, every single one of us have been separated. Adam found himself, after sin, standing on the outside of the garden, guarded by a, an angel with a flaming sword, banished, separated from the presence of God. 
He immediately after sin found himself naked and hiding himself from the presence of God. The shame of his decisions separated him from God. The weight of his decisions, the disobedience separated him from God. And that was passed to all of us. And God immediately starts working to bring his banished back. To bring mankind back into his presence. Cain failed. He starts using men. Failed. Noah, let's try again. Here, start over. Failure. Oh, man. Abraham, here, let's try again. Fail. By the way, he got a promise, though. Moses, here we go. Let's, let's try again. Here's the law. Follow that. Fail, 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 fail. And they keep failing and failing. But God is devising means, right? Priests, lead my people. Fail, 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 over and over. Judges, lead my people. Fail, 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 over and over. Kings, okay, Saul, lead my people and bring the banished back and, and bring them into my presence. Fail, over and over and over. Men keep failing and God keeps saying, I'm going to bring all back. I want to redeem all of mankind so that everyone can come into my presence and bring me glory. Finally, he sends his son, Jesus Christ. Victory. And the means have now been provided that the banished, that the lost, that those separated from him might know him. And listen, if you're new around here, maybe if you're here for the first time or if you've been checking this out, this is the most important thing that you could hear all day. All right? There's going to be a lot more stuff to come, but in terms of where you're sitting, if you are separated from Christ... This is the only part of the message that you really need to hear today is that God has made a way to bring you back, to bring you into his presence. God, by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to shed his blood, to pay the price that we couldn't pay, has made a way to redeem us. And That's what you need to hear. So from the garden, this is what God has been working on, bringing his banished back. And this is our first key point for study today, and it's this. Redemption has been exclusively offered by God to mankind. Heaven is a crazy place. When you read through the Bible and you see there's a lot more uh, to, to the created beings than just mankind. Like there's all kinds of different creatures and beings and things in heaven. And all of that. Uh, and we know also that, that Lucifer and a number of angels have rejected, had, had rejected his kingdom and rebelled against that. But we also know this. There's no hope for Lucifer. There's no hope for those angels. But God has decided to redeem mankind. And that makes you unique in all of creation. And that gives you a very unique and special purpose as well in all of creation. And with every lost person that you interact with, this is what we need to remember, that God's desire is to redeem mankind. There's parts of creation that will be lost. The earth will be burned up and, and redone. Heaven itself will be remade. But man can be redeemed. Revelation chapter 5. You get uh, a couple times in Revelation, John sees the throne of God and... Uh, and he sees just multitudes and multitudes worshiping. In Revelation chapter 5, I'm going to start in verse 8. You don't have 
you have verse 11 and 12 behind you, but it says this, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which were the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us, and has made us unto God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. You see, what John is seeing right there is, is a yet future event where he is, is seeing all the redeemed before the Lord falling down in worship. Now, do you get what that means? That means that John is seeing, if you know him as Savior, you, you're in that verse. You're in the multitude. Did you realize that? That gives me goosebumps. Like John was looking and he sees me in that crowd of people. He sees you. John's writing in the Bible about you standing in the presence of God, worshiping literal you. Not like the idea of worshiping God, but he sees the multitudes. This is a yet future event, which means he also sees some that have yet to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Did you realize that? That multitude is not yet complete. What John saw is, is, is still growing. And because of that, that again reminds us of our role as the missionary as the worker, as the one to be a part of that. But he sees that from every kindred and every tongue and every tribe and every nation. And we sang it when we were kids, like red and yellow, black and white and blue and green. They're all precious in his sight. Well, blue and green. Like, blue people and green people? I, maybe, maybe not blue and green. If you're blue, you're choking. Like, do the Heimlich. If you're green, I don't know. You've got a different problem. But we'll do like red and yellow, black and white, right? They're, they're all there. And that's what he's seeing. Now, key point number two. Of all of creation, only mankind has begun with the responsibility of spreading God's message of redemption. Now, we're the only ones he's redeeming, but we're also the only ones he's using. On the cross, Jesus said, I could call 12 legions of angels and end this thing right now. And just as easily, Jesus right now could send 12 legions of angels through this earth to proclaim the gospel. But you know what he's chosen to do? Send you. I got 12 legions of angels. And Jesus is like, yeah, well, you know, I got Alex. I'm going to send him. I got Nick. I'm going to send him. Right? I got these guys. I got Kaya kids. That's what God chose to get his message to the entirety of creation, to every tongue and kindred, tribe and nation, to every people. He could have stayed on the earth himself. He could have continued walking this earth and preaching the gospel, but he didn't. Of everything that he's created, to preach the, rede the redemption story, it's you. Yeah, the heavens declare the glory of God, and you can see that he is God and creator, but you know what? The redemption story, that's your work. And so Jesus left this earth, and he left his disciples with a great commission. You know it, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. He said, go and make disciples, teach everyone, preach, baptize all nations. And you know what? They took that seriously. And that's the crazy thing. They just had simple faith and believed that the best way to, 
to, to accomplish what God wanted him to do was just to do what God said to do. It's like, just go and tell somebody. And they're like, uh, okay, we're going to go tell somebody. And the mission is accomplished when we simply believe God and do what he says, and that's it. Like, there's no magic formula. There's no secret, like, tricks or codes or anything. It's like, just read what God said, hear what God said, and then do it. So Jesus is leaving, and he, and he tells them all, he says, go and do it. And you know what? That thing we just read in Revelation 5 is a result of those guys just taking it seriously. Because they were the ones who had it. And it depended on those guys that were just standing there, 11 dudes. They're like, well, what do we do now? Well, we need one more. Let's start there. Let's get one more. I right, we got one more. What next? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> just start telling everyone. That's been passed on from them all the way to you, all the way to me. Acts 13. All right, we made it. That was the intro. That was the overview. Acts 13, verse 1 and 2 and, and 3. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with uh, Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So that's the context for what we want to look at for the next couple of minutes. I want to start by looking at Barnabas. All right. So you get the outline here and you see there's a church. There's elders in the church. Uh, it's, and then the elders are, are led by God to send somebody out. And we'll talk about that again in, in a minute. But the first name that's listed here, and it's Barnabas, and you guys have already come through a lot of the story of Barnabas. And I, I didn't listen to all the sermons, so I don't know exactly how, what Brandon covered. So a lot of this is review, and just remember, and in sack, all right? Just, I'm just another puppet, okay? All right, so, but look at Barnabas here for a minute. So we'll start in Acts chapter 4, verse 36, verse 37, he shows up. It says, And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation. A Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. We're introduced to Barnabas this way. First, they change his name. That happens a lot in the Bible. You need a new name. Uh, and they call him the son of consolation. If you want, what does that mean? Think consolation prize, like second place, like you weren't good enough. <laughs> Here's a consolation prize. You get a trophy and you get a teddy bear. Like, don't cry. It means love, all right? It just means love, all right? And that's what it is. It's a love prize. We don't want you to cry, so you take that. So th this guy was known for his love, and they were like, well, we should just call you that. And so they start calling him Barnabas. But this is what we see about him. He, he is with the apostles. He is trained by the, the apostles. When we said that the apostles took that thing seriously, this is where they started investing. They started investing in Barnabas and other guys like him. He's one of the, the first generation of disciples made by the apostles. So Barnabas is there, and you see he's a Levite. He's from Cyprus. He's discipled by the apostles, so he's fruit of the Great Commission, direct fruit of the Great Commission that they took seriously, and you also see his character. The character of Barnabas was such that he took everything he had. He's like, I own some land, sell it, give it to the to the apostles, and let's just throw it into the ministry. 
This is the character of a man that God can use, is one that would take everything he has and says, nothing I have is mine. You use it for your ministry however you see fit. Plug it in. Take my resources and use them. So th this is where we're introduced to Barnabas. Next, chapter 9 and verse 26 and verse 27. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. He wanted to hook up with the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. They thought he was faking it. But Barnabas took him, Saul, and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoke to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So here you, here you have Saul trying to hook up with the apostles and they're all afraid of him. These are the guys that were with Jesus and they're afraid of Saul. Well, who steps in and who's, who brokers that deal? Who's the mediator here? It's Barnabas. And you see another thing about the heart of a missionary, because he's going to become a missionary. We just read that in Acts 13. Is that the missionary is, is willing to step in and to interact with people that maybe not everyone would like to interact with. Brendan told you where we went. And that's a place and that's a people that sometimes people go, eh, maybe, I'll go maybe I'll join Brian Clark in London. I like those people better. They're a little easier. There's people in the world that we go, someone else should deal with that. You know what Jesus said? You know what God says? No, you should. If you're going to follow me. And the apostles themselves struggled with that. They're like, I don't know about this guy, Saul. And Barnabas steps in. And you also see that Barnabas had such a relationship and a reputation with the apostles that he's able to do that. That he's able to walk into his disciples, to his pastors, his leaders. He's like, hey guys, trust me. I'm going to vouch for this guy. And they trusted him as well. And they trusted his judgment. They're like, okay, well, if you trust Saul, then we trust Saul. And Saul comes into that group as well. So there's Barnabas. Not afraid to jump in and mix up and get involved with people that aren't like him. And maybe they're even outcasts. And even by the church, have been outcast. Barnabas says, let me, let me go. Give me a minute. Let me go talk to the guy. Acts chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. So the church is birthed there in Jerusalem, and you have the disciples, and you have this initial work that's going on, and, and you have Barnabas as, part, as one of the, the first uh, generation disciples that's happened, is growing there. But then here in Acts chapter 11, they need to send someone out to Antioch, and they send Barnabas. See, when we get to Acts 13 and we get to what's known as Paul's missionary journey, Barnabas is there. And, and actually what we just see is that Barnabas is listed first, always. As you keep reading through Acts chapter 13, it's Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. It's their work. Why is that? Because Barnabas has already been doing this. And this is the heart of one that is willing to give all, to say, here's my property, here's my money, and here's my life. They said, we need someone to go to Antioch. We're going to send Barnabas. They send Barnabas to go and to, to invest in the church in Antioch. That's what makes, for me, that's what makes Acts 13 really interesting. When, the, when, when Antioch sends out their first missionary, and we, we begin this idea of missions church, it's a guy that came to them as a missionary. Right? He's like, I'm going to go here, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to do whatever God has. And some time passes, and Antioch's like, hey, next stop. You're moving on. We need to send somebody. Uh, Barnabas. How does that happen? <clears throat> Run back to 
Acts 12 real fast. We've got to grab the last two verses of Acts chapter 12 that lead us into Acts 13. You remember what was happening in Acts 12. Great persecution against the church uh, and, and against Christ, the head of the church, against his people, and then also trying to steal God's glory, right? Robbing God's glory by shutting the mouth of his, of his preachers or by sitting on a throne and uh, declaring, uh, allowing yourself to be worshipped as God. Sounds familiar. Somebody else did that. What was that? Oh, yeah, Satan. Anyway, okay, so all of that happened. Verse 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Did you see what it says there about them? They were sent, they were sent, and this time, and, and in chapter 12, they're in Jerusalem, and, and they had work to do there. And they went, and they did that work, and it says what? And then they, they kept doing that work, and, and they did it until it was done. They fulfilled their ministry. Amen. They worked it, and they worked it, and they worked it, and they worked it until God said, you fulfilled the work that I've, I have for you here. And they returned from Jerusalem, and they get back into Antioch to start us off in chapter 13. You're here, you're saved, you're plugged in, you're growing, uh, you're, you're not plugged in, but you want to get plugged in, you want to grow, you have visions, you say, uh, God wants to use me to pastor, God wants to use me as a missionary, God wants me in leadership, God wants me to be something better than I am now. God wants you to fulfill your ministry. That's what God wants you to do. And there may come a time when he says, you know what, You're, you have. You've fulfilled that ministry. I have something else I need you to do. But until that happens, your role is to fulfill your ministry every day. What if he never moves me out of this ministry? Praise God, fulfill your ministry. My dad taught um, kindergarten Sunday school at KCBT, the church that we came up in. For like 20 years. Like that's a position that people are like, kind of like what Sam was saying this morning. It's a stepping stone. We're working our way up. We want to get to junior high so we can get to high school so we can get into a pulpit, right? But you know what? I praise God for the example of my father, for a faithful man who said, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to fulfill my ministry until God moves me from it. And there aren't many people that are going to, I'm just going to teach kindergartners for 20 years. But everyone who has a heart like God has and says, I'm going to do whatever God wants me to do, is going to teach kindergartners as long as God says to. They fulfilled their ministry, and that's the next most important thing. If you know Christ is your Savior, you need to catch that. Fulfill your ministry and keep doing it and do it joyfully and find ways to do it better. Grow at it. Invest in it. Whatever your ministry is, whatever your field is, plow it, work it, plant it, grow it. Fulfill your ministry. Oh, Brandon just doesn't get it. He should have had me doing something else. Fulfill your ministry. Well, maybe you're right, like Sam said. Maybe you're right. Maybe Brandon did miss it. But you know what? You know what your job is? Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. So in Acts chapter 11, is that where we were? Yeah. Barnabas um, is, is, uh, is sent to Antioch. Point number three. What did we just read? 
I got sidetracked on that. End of 12. And before that, Acts 11, 22 and 24, that's what we read. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church that was in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Yeah. So the Jerusalem church was sending, Antioch, uh, was sending Barnabas to Antioch because he fulfilled his ministry. Barnabas gets there and he gets to work. He jumps in and he starts doing the work again. He starts evangelizing. He starts teaching. He starts preaching. He starts growing that church. And you see that in the next couple verses there. Verse 23, it says, Who, when he came had seen the grace of God, was glad, and exhorted them all. It's like this morning. That's the work of, of us preacher types. is To exhort, and that was purpose of heart, they should cleave unto the Lord. This is Acts chapter 11, verse 23. Verse 24. And he, Barnabas, was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. You see, when he got there, he, he, he found out what God's role was for him in that church, and he dove into that. First he observed, and then he started exhorting. He said, I just want to encourage you guys. And when, when, when the opportunity came and he knew what God's place was for him in that church, in that ministry, he jumped in, and it says he was a man full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith, and he did it, and the church began to grow, and people were added to the faith. He's evangelizing. He's edifying. He's counseling. He's serving that church, and the church grows, and the church is blessed because of it. It says he's full of the Holy Ghost and he's full of faith. And this is point number three. The mission is accomplished by men and women that are full of the Holy Ghost and faith. What are the keys to this missionary movement? What are the keys to me growing and becoming a missionary? The key is you be full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith. And being full of the Holy Ghost, it, it's a process, but it's not complicated. It takes time and consistency. It starts with salvation when the Holy Ghost comes into you, seals you, and, and, and then comforts you, guides you, does those things. The Holy Ghost is in you. But then what God tells us is that, that idea of being filled with the Holy Ghost is this process where we allow him to take control of every part of our life and we little by little give over more and more of ourself to him. And that another way to say that is called sanctification and really it's a lifelong process. It's what we do every day of our life until we die as we work on giving the Holy Ghost full control of our lives. And as you continue to grow, God will show you more and more things to weed out of your life or character to add into your life or ways to change. But that's being filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what God wants to do. And those are the ones that are equipped and ready. Those that are being filled with the Holy Ghost. It means that they... They get saved, they read the word, they pray, they worship, and that covers a lot, like praising and even confessing our sins and resisting sin, all of that is a part of worship. And, and fasting becomes a regular part of your life. Well, that's about it. I mean, you, you do that. You read the Bible, you pray, you worship, you fast, and you make that a reality in your life regularly. That's going to get you heading on that road to being filled with the Holy, letting God have full control. So they were filled with the Holy Ghost and full of faith. So they get all of that, then they have to act on it. Faith is that putting all of those things to practice. Because faith that is biblical is faith that is tangible. Do you know that? No? Well, faith is the evidence. 
things hoped for, the substance, evidence, substance, those are real. We can see your faith because a tree is known by its fruit. And when you get full of faith, those around you know it, your pastor sees it, the leaders know it, and those are the people that God is, doing, is going to use in, in this mission's work. But it takes stepping into some uncomfortable places. That's what faith does with us when we follow the Holy Spirit. Jump down a couple verses to verse 25, still in Acts 11. Then departed Barnabas to Troas for to seek Saul. Verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So now, while he's there ministering, he... He's, he sees some more needs in the church, or he sees a way that he can plug Saul in, in the church now in Antioch. First Saul was in Jerusalem. He had to introduce him over there. Now he says, wait a minute, church. I need to go grab this guy, Saul. By the way, we know Paul and, uh, as, as a great man of God, and he was, mightily used of God, and he was, writer of a large portion of the New Testament, which he was, uh, expounder of mysteries, he was. But you know what? Before all that, you know what he was? He was discipled. You see him under the wing of Barnabas. Barnabas is bringing Saul along. Even Paul, the one that we want to exhort or exalt into this great high and mighty position, was discipled. And here's a good disciple. He says, hey, here's a place where I can plug my disciple in. He brings, he brings Saul over now to, to, uh, to Antioch. He's like, I'm going to bring you, and you're going to come and minister with me. And long before Paul is the name for all, the front, the, the face of all Christianity, so to speak, he was sitting at the feet of Barnabas. He's being discipled. So I don't know who you think you are, but you need to be discipled, all right? And you need to be willing to do that. And Barnabas is, is, is willing to bring him along, but Saul is also willing to humble himself and to listen and to go and to be trained and, and to be a part of that ministry beside and underneath of Barnabas and the leadership of that church. Point number four, when you are filled with the Holy Ghost and faith, you will seek to build the church. You will. This is what people who are filled with the Holy Ghost and faith do. They just find ways to plug in, to build the church. You evangelize, you disciple, you serve. This is the mission of all who are filled with the Holy Ghost and faith, no matter where they're located. Right? It's not about the location. It's about being filled with the Holy Ghost and with faith and doing it. This is your role here at MBT. Do you know that? This is your role here at Kaya. And it doesn't start when you're sent. We send servers. Okay? In fact, growing in leadership, do you know what that means? Do you know what it means growing in leadership? It means growing in submission and service. That's what growing in leadership is. You want to be a leader? Submit, serve. That's how you become a leader. Exhibit A, the Apostle Paul. Strong enough evidence? The whole goal of the church, the whole reason for being at MBT, the whole reason you're sitting here in Kaya is to be equipped so that you can go out and equip others, plant churches, bring glory to God by helping build that kingdom. That's why you're here. 
That's it. You lead a Bible study so that you can train others, not just to disciple them to sit under you. You lead a Bible study so you can train someone else to lead a Bible study. You're a missionary. You do the missionary work right where you are, and you fulfill your ministry where you are. Ministry is multiplied when God is prioritized. Ministry is multiplied when God is prioritized. And point number five. Puppet. There we go. When you join the church, you're also submitting to the authority of that church. And you heard that this morning. But being a part of Kaya means that you're submitted to your pastor. Acts chapter 11, and still verse 29 and verse 30. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and they sent it to the elders by the hands, surprise, surprise, of Barnabas and Saul. There was a need, there was a famine, and there was a need to send some relief. And the elders of the church said, we're going to send, we're going to send Barnabas and Saul. And you know what Barnabas' role was? He's a part of that church. His role is to submit to the authority of that church. And no matter how badly he might have wanted to stay there or do ministry at Antioch, the leaders, the, the, the authority of that church said, we're sending you to Jerusalem to do another work. And Barnabas said, all right, let's go. So when you plug in here, you submit to your pastor. Point number six is this. It's simple. I, wanted, I, I was trying to think of like a, a better way to say it, like something more fun or with some alliteration. But uh, if, if you've ever learned a second language, maybe this happened to you or a third or whatever, how many languages, you get to a point in the language learning process where uh, you kind of forget how to speak English. Ever been there? You been there? No? Like, I, I struggled with it as, as we were learning a language, and my wife did too, and there's days where you're trying to get, like, English words out, and you can only get, like, maybe language words in the new language, or maybe just, like, no words at all will come together. Some of you might have experienced that. I was, Brandon and I had breakfast earlier this week, and we were, no, that's not true, it wasn't at breakfast. We were just hanging out at the DMV. I was just there, <laughs> sitting with him, and I, I was telling him about a friend of mine Back in Asia, um, uh, he's a nurse. I said before, he's, he's a real strong Catholic guy, and before he uh, became a nurse, he, he was being trained in, in the Catholic uh, system. He wanted to be a, um, he was training to be a, and like that word wouldn't come to me, and Brandon looked at me, he's like, priest? I'm like, yeah, that. <laughs> priest. It still happens sometimes. Like, words just don't come. So here it is in simple words. The church sends missionaries. I was going to say none to Brandon, but I knew that wasn't the right word because it's a guy. So he's training to be a nun, but that's not it. Simple words. Here it is. You don't get to go on your own terms. You're sent. And that's the work of the church. Acts chapter 13 and verse 1. Now there were leaders in the church. And as they did the work, they plugged in. Verse 2, they're investing. They ministered to the Lord uh, all of them, and then they begin to fast and pray. It's God speaking through the leadership of the church that says, separate Barnabas and Saul. The church sends missionaries, and that's the way you want to go. The church equips, the church trains, the church sends. That's the way that God designed it. 
without any fancy words. Like, he wants you to be a nun. I mean a priest. I mean he wants to train you for missions. Okay. <laughs> right? Not a nun or a priest. Okay? All right, we're going to move. We're going to move real quick to get through a couple things. Um, but that's basically, that's basically it, right? That's the message. Missions began. We say missions began there, but you see Barnabas all the way back to the disciples being discipled himself, and then you see Barnabas discipling Saul. And it's interesting because Acts chapter thirteen is a big transition for for Saul. The beginning of this, this chapter, it's Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. But after Acts 13, he will never be called Saul again by God. He's Paul. And you see also in this chapter, the team transitions to Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. And that's the, that's, this is a critical point for Saul. But all of that comes through what? Discipleship, equipping, sitting under the feet of the mentor until God says you're ready. You also got that guy Menaean right there in verse 1. I just thought it was interesting. He was brought up with Herod. <laughs> it's like they, they went to kindergarten together. He was friends of Herod. They probably played on the same cricket team together. I know, I just lost most of you. You're like, what's cricket? They probably played on the same baseball team together. Okay. Um, but it's interesting just to look at the tra- trajectory of their lives. Maybe you've done that too. Maybe you have someone famous that you grew up with or, or a famous relative or something. You look at like trajectory and you're like, you know, there was, there was, there was uh, Herod sitting on a throne, ruling a country, eaten by worms. And then there's Menaean, uh, you know, leader in a church, leading a body, serving the Lord, bringing glory to God. You choose that which trajectory you want to be on. Sam talked about that this morning, too, with his own love of money and then switching that trajectory and allowing God to use him. So a bit about me. And we'll do this in two minutes. Okay. I, you know, when I, I'm going to share a little bit of my story right now, and that's not because there's anything great about me or to, to exalt anything that I've done. What I want you to get from the story is that I plugged into a church that believed everything I just told you and was willing to submit to that and just follow the process. And that's all you're getting, That's what I want you to hear from the story. So I grew up in, in, in the Kansas City Baptist Temple, and we grew up believing these exact same things, that you need to get equipped because your job is to go and to reproduce. In fact, I was told by somebody there that the call to missions has already been given. The Great Commission has been extended to everyone. Your call to go is already well established. Someone once told me that if God wants you to stay, that call has got to come louder than the call that's already been given to, to go. So you ought to have that in mind. So I started teaching Sunday school when I was in high school. I taught uh, kids Sunday school with a guy named Bo Green. He and I taught fifth graders together, right? And then uh, as I also was in high school, I joined a, a prison ministry. We would go down to a prison there in Kansas City, and uh, it was, again, this guy Bo and another guy named Dan Renault. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, and, and a few other guys were a part of that, but the three of us, we would go and we would preach because there was a need, and someone called us into that ministry, and we said, we're willing, we'll just go and we'll just serve, and we just kept doing that until, until God said to do something different. And at about that same time in my life, um, I, I got called into a street preaching ministry, which is something that they did back then, and we just go out on the street and uh, hand out tracts and talk to people about the gospel, and uh, my, 
my key mentor in that ministry was a guy named Doug Pearson, and he kind of took me under his wing and, and kind of walked me through that. And there were a lot of other guys involved in that ministry as well. Um, but, you know, those are just kind of where God was plugging me in and, and the people he was putting me around. So I think you guys know a lot of those people. Bo's a pastor at a sister church with ours up in Monmouth, Illinois. And Dan, of course, left from here to start a church in Lee Summit. And, my, and, uh, and Doug Pearson has been, like, in all of Asia planting churches. <laughs> Anywhere in Asia, Doug's been there and planting churches. And that's not to exalt any one of us or anything that we did, but to say this, that iron sharpens iron. And when you get around people that believe it and that plug into it, that, you know what? I'm not surprised that out of that, there, there's been these people and these things that God has done in his birth because we were all just there and saying, God, teach us. God, guide us. God, show us. What do we do? Uh, about that same time, a young guy came into my life. I say young. He's like two years younger than me. Like, like a baby, though. <laughs> like my own little baby. And I put him on my chest and I would rock him. And now you call him pastor. Like Brandon came into my life around that same time, but he just jumped in <laughs> with us. And we would just do life together and study the word together. And, and, and you know, we're involved in just Bible studies and, 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 and ministries at schools and, and reaching students. And as we got out of uh, high school and into a career, he, he's doing it. And he's inviting me to help. And I'm inviting him. And, you know, I'm, I'm and he came in and he's under me and being discipled and being trained and, and just doing it. And that's just, that's a testimony to the way that God designed it. And I guess I'm excited and happy now to come. If, if God lands me and Kyle, I'm, I'm 100% thrilled to jump in and to, and to be under Brandon as my pastor. And say, I'll plug in and do what he says. Let's do it. Let's, let's rock together. Let's do it. And then God sent me to El Salvador, and he put me under a man named Jim Mell, and I worked in El Salvador for a year and a half with one express purpose. It was a young church, and we needed to train leaders. And I went and, and just started teaching this stuff, and we trained leaders. We, we taught them how to do all that. And, I, and leaving El Salvador, there's, there's two men that, that I got to disciple that are pastoring and leading and training leaders there. Praise God, because it works when you follow the process that he set up. And he brought me back to Kansas City Baptist Temple. And at the time, Sam was leaving and, and coming to Midtown. And, and at the same time, God moved me to Midtown as well. And he's like, he's like okay, leave Jerusalem. You're going to Antioch now. I was like, all right, back let's go. And so I came to Midtown, and, and we plugged in at Midtown, and we, we started the, the student ministry. And, uh, and then Brandon, and then he joined student ministry, and so he's working with me and beside me. And, and together we worked that ministry, and then God said, now you're going to go, and I'm sending you to Asia. And he, and he packed us up, and he moved us to Asia. And, and we went, and we got to start investing in, in pastors and leaders and training and making disciples there and investing in just the local community and evangelizing and reaching out. And, uh, and then, I don't know, maybe we fulfilled our ministry or maybe Satan was involved in that. I don't know the answer, but we're here. And, and we got uh, a letter that said, you know, we can take you to jail or you can go back to Kansas City. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> well, plane tickets, purchase them quick. We're out of here. And God has us here for now, and we don't know for how long God has uh, the fifes here. But while we're here, uh, we're, we're getting fed. 
We want to get plugged in. We're serving alongside you guys. So what does God want from you? He wants you to fulfill your ministry. He wants you to grow in leadership through submission and service. He wants you to do everything you can to be equipped and prepared and with the vision, with a, with a, with a, with a purpose looking towards where does God want me to go and reproduce. If he doesn't want you to go and reproduce, he'll make that calling really clear that you're going to stay here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word and, and the, the simplicity and the beauty and the way you lay it out and how, how easy it is if we would just read it and do it. I thank you for the example of Barnabas who would go and submit and plug in where you called him to plug in for being willing to disciple the ones that nobody wanted to reach, for being willing to, to go uh, and give just everything, to throw everything at your feet and say, whatever it is, I give it to you. God, would that be our heart here? And would you move in, these, in this group, in these young adults? God, would you move and, uh, and build a, a missions movement that's birthed out of every single individual saying, i got to be full of the Holy Ghost and i got to be full of faith. I just got to lay it at his feet and do what he's called me. God, would that be the testimony so that when we stand before you on that day and all the kingdoms of the earth have become the kingdom of our God, that you will be, will be pleased with the way we chose to live our lives. In Jesus' name. hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.liv.